When you're navigating the complicated world of real estate, you want someone you can trust holding your hand along the way. Here's just the right person and just the right program. It's the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800. Here's your host and broker owner of the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team, Dan Jemis. Good morning, everyone. Happy to have you with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. It is 7.07 this morning. I have uh, in studio with me Kathy Talbot, sales rep with the Dan Jemis team. Good morning, Kath. Good morning, Dan. We have a full hour on real estate law this morning. And uh, when we think of real estate law, we think of Robert Milson. Absolutely. Good morning. Good morning, morning, morning all. Uh, and uh, Bob has been with us with our team working side by side with us for a very long time. And uh, every time we have a client that uh, works with uh, with Bob, they are all ecstatic. And we love that uh, clients work with Bob because we know that they're in good hands. Well, we try. We try you, hard. you do try, and you guys do a great job. And, uh, you know, there's been how many situations, Kath, where just something, you know, is going on or some kind of situation with whatever on a file, and we know, oh, Bob's got it. It's under control. Oh, absolutely. And and I mean, I can even just email him in the middle of the day. Well, he can speak on behalf of this. He may, <laughs> he may not like it, but but I can email him just with a quick question or whatever. And he's always replying. And it's just awesome to be able to reach somebody. Because how many lawyers have we had clients work with over the years? And, you know, the lawyer doesn't get back to them. And, well, I'm still waiting for my lawyer to call me back. And, oh, it just frustrates the heck out I of me. I know. He'll even get back to you in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. He gives oh. everyone his personal cell phone number, <laughs> and you can call him. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't be going there, Dan. Don't be going there. Um, but yes, and, and and Bob, you're not by yourself. You've got a team behind you, don't you? We do. Tell and, us about and, the team. And it's a it's a service business, so that when those calls come in and when clients have concerns, I mean, you've got to respond and you've got to provide that service. And so uh, we just look at it as, as really part of the job. And I, I really have some excellent uh, people with me. Um, people have been in the business for a long time. Yep. Uh, I've got a lot of experience. And uh, I couldn't do it without them. So it's a good team. It's uh, like I was saying off the air. I wish I had a good team like that. Oh, nice. And, uh, I'm and, kidding. And Bob, let me I, guess. They're, they're all women like uh, like Dan has, right? Mostly women? They, they are. In, in, in fact... <laughs> In fact, I married to one of them. So, oh, uh, there you go. Uh, yeah, um, you know it's funny because Andrew and there, there's Tim now. There's there's a few oh, guys in the I office know. now, and and we it's been the running joke for the longest time. It was just Andrew and I, and a whole bunch of women. Yeah, and uh, we got along just fine. But now <laughs> we're we're adding guys to the team, so it's been uh, it's been fun. So, Bob, how long have you been uh, practicing law? Be forty years uh, last uh, month. So just a couple years. Excellent. So you're still newer in the business. Uh, yeah, still learning. <laughs> still, still, I was gonna say, still got things to learn. Still learning. Oh, you bet. Yeah. Um, when we started working with Bob, it's been it's been years now. But uh, you know, I remember you telling me that you had no plans to retire. Oh, it sounds which is like crazy. Me. <laughs> I I really like it. I, I don't. I, I know it sounds odd, but it's really fun. Yeah. And uh, I enjoy it every day. And. I don't have very many hobbies, so uh, I intend to do this as, as long as my health will hold, I want to be here. Fantastic. You know, um, I think that in a transaction, you know, buyers and sellers get very excited. They start shopping for houses. They put their house on the market. And a lot of them forget that you have to have a lawyer yeah. work with you in the transaction at, the, at, at some point. And they don't usually deal with the lawyer till the very end. 
literally till the last you know week or so of a transaction um and so it's often surprising to somebody and i've had i've been asked before well do we really need a lawyer yeah yeah you should probably have a lawyer well, is, it, is it possible <laughs> without a lawyer i can't imagine it would be well now now a deal can't close without lawyers <clears throat> because lawyers provide access to the terranet system yes for registering uh title to real property in ontario and uh, lawyers in Ontario provide much the same function as, as closing agents do in, in a number of the states in the U.S., where that's how the money flows, mortgages get paid out, mortgages get discharged. And unless we have a lawyer for the vendor and a lawyer for the purchaser, each doing their job, uh, the transaction can't close. And the Law Society has been uh, careful now to, to, to try to reduce risk to uh, to purchasers and to vendors and say that you've got to have a separate lawyer yeah. uh, for the vendor, a separate lawyer for the purchaser. And that's just so that no conflict of interest sure. can arise. And uh, both of the lawyers have a particular job to do. The lawyer for the purchaser is looking at possible title issues, searching title, making sure that uh, when the when the purchaser buys that property, uh, they're going to have a minimum of, of problems. And the lawyer for the vendor has a job in that he's preparing, he or she is preparing documentation and is really looking after the flow of funds so that that mortgage that exists on the property can get paid out and subsequent to closing, the mortgage discharge can be registered. So unless there's that interplay between the two lawyers, a, a deal just can't happen. Right, which... Makes complete sense. Now, tell our listeners out there um, an average day for a lawyer. I guess on a real now you do you practice corporate law as well, and you Correct. but for a real estate transaction, um, walk us through a transaction and what exactly it is you you must do. Uh, well, on a on the purchase side, uh, the agreement of purchase and sale comes in, and we have to take a look at that agreement of purchase and sale so that uh, we know what the terms of it are, and uh, if uh, there are any issues that we can see already in the agreement, then we've got to get at them. Mm -hmm. We send a letter immediately to the purchasers saying, on closing, here are things we're going to need. You're going to need to set up your insurance. You're going to need to set up your utilities, uh, things that you need to, to be aware of and look after prior to coming to see us. Uh, then we do our searches. And uh, uh, something that we use on almost every transaction now is title insurance. Mm -hmm. So in the old days... Like I really am that old, where there were <laughs> <laughs> there were old days and there were paper paper documents to look at. Uh, we would send someone to the registry office and look at all this paper. Now we use title insurance instead, and so we still have to do the search electronically. Uh, but some of the areas we we just don't do anymore. We rely on title insurance rather than usual letters to the building department, public works department, subdivisions. Uh, fire marshal, that sort of thing. What we'll do is we'll buy a policy of title insurance to cover off those risks instead. And and we do it for two reasons. The coverage is a little better. Mm -hmm. And secondly, we avoid all the costs uh, that we used to uh, expend. Uh, the usual letter to a building department now is 75 or 80 bucks. Public works is about the same. And uh, all of those costs got large and title insurance is a lot less. So uh, we'll, we'll look after the title insurance and we'll look after uh, the searches that we need to do, including the search of title. Then we start to, to look at documentation. So we get uh, instructions in from the mortgage company and they'll instruct us to do uh, a particular set of mortgage documents, which we'll prepare. 
And then we start to look at the, the cash flow. What sort of adjustments are there on closing for property taxes? Uh, what sort of money do we need from the mortgage company, from our client, and, and putting them together uh, to pay some of the disbursements on closing and, uh, of course, the, the purchase cost of the property. So on a purchase, uh, those are the, el- the elements. We, we then meet with the client. And uh, uh, on the actual closing, uh, generally there's an exchange of documents between vendor's uh, lawyer and purchaser's lawyer. Uh, the registrations are done electronically, yep. and only then can we release a key to the purchaser. So that, that's changed quite a bit uh, from your, your aspect as well. Things are now done electronically, right? Just like in our business. Every, everything's electronic, and and uh, lawyers are the people who have access to the Terranet system, which is the title system in Ontario for the most part now. And uh, it, it it has good parts and bad parts for, for lawyers. Number one, it... Having access to the system uh, provides us with employment, which is a good thing. Uh, but we, we have a responsibility that we need to identify the people that we are dealing with. And there are a number of rules that go along with that because what uh, we're trying to prevent is fraud, where someone else has access to that system uh, or someone else registers a document that's fraudulent or improper where uh, that person is impersonating the actual owner of sure. the property, mm-hmm. either selling, mortgaging, whatever. So uh, the, the Terranet system has taken a It's made it harder to, to register fraudulent documents on title. Fantastic. When we take a... Uh, well, we're going to take a break right now. When we get back, we have a lot of things we're going to cover. And if somebody has a specific uh, you know, real estate uh, question that they've always wondered uh, how it would work, give us a call in studio. Uh, we'd be happy to ask Bob for you, okay? 519 519- uh, 792-CKLW. That's 519-792-2559. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about um, lots of fun stuff. Okay? So we always like to surprise good. Bob and, you know, nothing nothing really surprises Bob. Bob's got it all under control. So we got this, okay? <laughs> we'll be back right after this on the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show. For real estate service you can count on, call the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team. For real estate advice you can trust, you listen to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, a paid program on AM800. Here's your host, Dan Jemis. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we have uh, with us in studio, first of all, Kathy Talbot, sales rep with the Dan Jemis team. And uh, for this hour, we have uh, Robert Milson, uh, a, uh, the lawyer that we, we, we work with uh, oftentimes in our business and our clients work with. Um, and uh, we're talking about all kinds of things, anything real estate law related. If you have any questions uh, that you've always wanted to ask or something that's happened in the past and you wonder why it happened that way, uh, give us a call in studio, 519-792-CKLW. That's 519-792-2559. Uh, but Bob, let's talk about, um, you know, first of all, you covered um, doing title searches uh, in the last in the last segment. Mm-hmm. What kind of stuff can that uncover? Oh, it's some, some of it's very interesting, at least interesting to guys like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not so interesting to the client. But uh, a thing we're working on now, uh, the the title hadn't really moved or anyone had looked at it since 1948. And uh, these purchasers had bought the property and raised their family there. And the the uh, the second of the, the owners had just passed away. So they're trying to, to deal with the property. And we took a look at the title, and it was it was the most interesting thing because the registry office could not figure out whether this property was in uh, Sandwich East or in Sandwich South or in Sandwich West or in Windsor or in something called wow. a con- concession, La Sumption. And <laughs> it, it, came, it came from 
there was a, a, a description problem, a, a problem with the legal description in 1948. And so the registry office didn't know what to do with it, didn't know where to put it. And no one had really looked at it since 1948. Well, we know there's a house there and there's a family that had lived there. And we know the municipal address and it, the property is presently in Windsor. But it was really fun because there was... Is, our, our, our world is electronic now, but sure. this was still back in the paper system. And we got to look through all sorts of microfiche and try to figure out why there was a, a problem in the first place. And they forgot a corner of the property, which is what uh, made the legal problem. And then we had to bring it forward into the new system. And it was a, f- a fun problem. You know, it reminds me when we bought our building uh, last year, our office building in in, uh, in Amherstburg, there was in our back parking lot, we have this another little building, an office space uh, storefront uh, that belongs to somebody else. But I remember Bob calling me saying, so I got good news and bad news. I said, oh, what's that? He says, well, the little building in the back parking lot is on your title. I said, oh, how exciting. I, I got an extra building. He says, no, no, it's not in fact yours. I said, oh. <laughs> yeah, we had, a nice little bonus. We had to do a little fix there. Yeah, that's, that's a good example, right? And, it, and it had you not had a lawyer? So how did that happen? So how did it, how was it on your title, but it wasn't your building? It's just the way some properties develop, especially when little pieces are broken yeah. up over, over the years. And, uh, I mean, that's the sort of stuff we're supposed to catch. And, uh, that's the reason you have a lawyer involved. And yeah. technically, if that wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have caught that, what would, what would happen? It would just continue and... It would have been caught at some point. It would point have been caught somewhere. And, and so it. I wouldn't have had a magical other building on my... Sadly, no. No. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, speak, a, speak about another building on the property. I, I know somebody that has a property and there was, it used to be a farm. And then someone bought a corner, a front corner of the farm and put a little house there. And in the original, and we were told when we, the people told us when they bought that property that that building, if once it ever, like once they weren't there anymore, it would go back to the farm right as part of it and so my people that I know thought that was pretty cool they were going to get this extra house back on their property but way back somewhere in the late 1800s or somewhere it changed hands and that got dissolved but the lawyer had to figure that out he had to find out that no sorry you thought you were going to get that back but it's not going back to you because that got changed so again the lawyer had to figure all that out and everybody everybody these people knew thought oh wow that's pretty cool you're going to get that building didn't didn't work out didn't work out that way didn't work out we have Teresa on the line and Teresa uh, hi Teresa how are you hi good morning you have a question for Bob I have a question and I want to know if there's a way of avoiding it I was wondering on the day that you move because I've had several people that have moved quite recently and we've you know rented trucks and got everybody there and got the truck loaded and we can't move because you don't get the keys to the other place till like four o'clock in the afternoon is there some way of avoiding that situation where it's so late in the day when you get the keys to the new house? The hard, the hard part is very often there will be a chain of transactions where you've got a, a sale, a purchase, a sale, a purchase. And sometimes if you're near the end of the chain, there just really isn't any way of avoiding it. And, and we can't even blame the people ahead in the chain because they're usually waiting for money and they can't close until they get money. And then that uh, transaction closes and then we can get on to the next. 
really the only way around it is to set up some bridge financing where you're you're selling uh you know uh maybe a week ahead of time you bridge bridge, get a bridge loan with the bank and uh, then you've got a little bit of time to move so you're not in that bind at the end of the day Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome, Teresa. Okay, Thanks for the bye. call. Um, yeah, and that's that's a question we all we always get asked. Yes. And, and our clients will call and say, "Hey, listen, uh, Kathy, um, we get the house at you know uh, on Friday. Is there a way the sellers uh, will allow us to put our stuff in the garage <laughs> yeah, on Monday?" Yeah, we get that all the time. <laughs> you know, yep. and our advice right. is always, "Well, <laughs> we always blame the lawyers. Well, the lawyers wouldn't <laughs> like that very much." <laughs> Well, because really, what if the house burns down? Your stuff's in it, right? What if it gets there's stuff a real, missing? There's a real difficulty with insurance, and yes. and who's providing insurance, and and whose assets are protected by the insurance, right? And uh, so it it gets real sticky, and uh, you know, on occasion, uh, we'll allow people to get uh, uh, furniture, say, into a garage if sure. if they're in a bind. But everybody knows there's some risk there in terms of of whose coverage is going to cover if God forbid there's a fire. Exactly. I have exactly. I have clients that have uh, dogs and you know they they didn't want to move in on the day of closing and have their yard not fenced right because of these yep. dogs yep. Yep. so they wanted to know could they please just go and put the fence up <laughs> put the fence up like a week before closing or whatever so that when they moved in their dogs were able to go in the backyard and I went uh no you don't own it yet you can't go there and dig holes and put a fence up because again what if god forbid it, it doesn't close, close for whatever reason right? yeah. you spent how many thousands of dollars well yeah or up? somebody could get hurt on the property putting the fence up or I don't know just it's not your property you know everybody gets so excited and they I and I get it I I get it. When I moved into my place, the people weren't out yet. We were. It was. It was four. It was four o'clock in the afternoon, and they weren't even close to being out yet. And lucky for us, we had we had closed earlier on our place. We were staying with friends in between, and we just told them, "Listen, we'll just come tomorrow instead." And but I was so bummed because I just wanted to get in there. Oh boy! But we let them stay an extra yeah, night to get out. With uh, shared a room. What'd you guys do? Yeah, no, 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 I. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> but we did let them keep a lot of their stuff in the that garage nice, yeah. so that they could get it out over the weekend. So, but okay. you got to ha- you got to help each other. You got to right? do it. You yeah. got to do. It. Okay, we're going to take another quick break here. We have some more phone calls we're going to get to when we get back. Uh and we're here with uh, Robert Milson, a real estate lawyer, um and uh yes, Kathy wants to do the time check. We will get the time check, Kath. We have commercials first. Don't worry. No, no. I, I wondered if you saw the question. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, we have a phone call. We'll okay. get We'll get to Dan, okay? Right after this on the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show make better decisions when you are informed of what's going on. Real estate is often the largest investment you'll ever make. You want a real estate team you can trust helping you along the way. And definitely be able to make better decisions because of it. Welcome back to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800 with one of the most trusted realtors in Windsor-Essex, Dan Jemis. Welcome back to the show. Kathy Talbot is uh, is in studio with me today, a sales rep with the Dan Jemis team, and we are have a full hour on real estate law. And uh, in studio with us is Robert Milson, uh, a lawyer, and we have a question uh, from Dan. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. What's your question? I got a very unique question, a unique situation here. There's a house on my street. Um, I guess a couple of years ago, they reassessed the property lines, right? And everybody was informed of the new property lines. Well, 
the one house, the neighbors decided they were going to build a fence along the new property line, which just so happened to cut exactly diagonally through their neighbor's driveway, cutting off access to their garage from the road. Are they allowed to do this? Well, that's okay. So I guess Bob can, can help. So you, when you say reassess the property lines, how do they do that? Because... Um, I'm not quite exactly sure. Um, it, I didn't get anything. Mine wasn't done. But the, what, what we were told when the house was for sale and we were talking to the real estate agent because we were looking at the house was that the, real, the, the property lines had been reassessed and everybody's house on the street got bumped, or at least a section of the street got bumped so many degrees this way, right? So everyone sort of got, you know, it's hard to describe, but everyone sort of got a couple extra feet on the left side, right? Okay. Um, and so, I, I guess Bob should be asking his questions. <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean, Bob? <laughs> so so you, the, the, the extra land you got was not at the front or the back, it was on the side of your property? Well, it's not my property. This is a, a neighbor person in my neighborhood. I, 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 I always wonder as I drive to the, through the street, and I notice that the fence directly cuts through the, person, the neighbor's driveway, cutting off access to their garage huh. from their, their neighbor. You know, their neighbor now owns that piece of the property, which kind of cuts diagonally through the property. It's a very odd situation. It cause... is, but um, and and I have pictures to prove it. It's a very odd situation. Um, I wonder, are you allowed? Are they allowed to do that to cut off access to their neighbor's garage from the from? Well, the this road? this sounds like a really good law school question, <laughs> and, and 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 you know we it's really going to depend on the facts of it. That you can put a fence on your own land, you can't put a fence on somebody else's land, and when you say that land is reassessed. That's pretty unusual. I, I don't know what reassessment means. And uh, title to a property is very well defined in a legal description at the registry office. So I, I, I don't know really how some, someone could put a fence on somebody else's land and cut off access to their driveway. It just shouldn't happen. Right. Well, it was enough to prevent us from even walking in the house when it was for sale that much. Huh. We we basically turned around like, who wants neighbors like that? But No doubt. Well, listen, yeah, uh, yeah that's that's a very interesting question. Uh, thanks for that, Darren. That's, that's unique. And I guess really it comes down to, and there, there are situations, Bob, where you can, you can tell us about, where if you have a backyard and somebody's garage must be accessed through, whatever, if you have an acre or something, and, and someone's access must be done through your yard, there is such a thing, correct? Well, there's there's such a thing as in, uh, an easement of necessity. Right. If the easement's been there for years and years, uh, so even though it's not registered on title, uh, that can be maintained. But uh, in 95% of all cases, if I've got an easement that allows me access to a garage, it'll be a registered easement. There'll be a legal description for that easement giving me the right to use it. And in fact, if, if Dan and I wanted to create that easement today, I would have to go to the Committee of Adjustment and actually get a Committee of Adjustment consent right. uh, to create that easement. And we'd put that easement on title, and then I could use it forever, giving me access over, over Dan's land. But to me, I, I can't picture anybody just being allowed to block someone's driveway uh, or garage without some very unique circumstances. I, that's... It's going to depend on the facts. I mean, yeah. every now and then we'll run into a situation where there is a shared drive mm -hmm. and it's been informally shared between two neighbors for a long period of time. And the neighbors get a little out of sorts with one another 
And because there's no registered right-of-way and a registered mutual drive on title, uh, one, one neighbor will, will put a fence right up the middle of the driveway. Yep. And that always gets a little, a little uh, tense. And uh, uh, the fence up the middle of the driveway generally doesn't help either neighbor, but somebody's trying to make a point. So, well, that, yeah, that's hopefully that answers your question, Dan. It's uh, I guess the, the 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 short answer is that it would require some investigation and finding out more details. You know, it it refreshes my mind about a situation I had years and years ago with a client. They bought uh, they were on a cul-de-sac, and they bought a they bought a home, uh, and it was a vacant lot next door. About uh, a few months after they they purchased this home, they move in. Uh, somebody decides to build next door. They're on vacation. They come back and their front yard and part of their driveway was dug up. In that process, um, they, the, 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 uh, the construction guys dug up their in-ground sprinkler system, ruined that, um, and come to find out that the lot, uh, their fence was in fact about two feet on the, the vacant lot's property. Mm-hmm. And so they had a pool in the backyard and the cement... Uh, of the pool was literally like pushing over to the fence. So what ended up happening at the end of the day was that they they made an agreement and they on paper bought a couple feet of the lot next door, um, so as not to have to move the the pool and the fence and the everything else. Um, That's a really really smart way to resolve oh, that problem. Yes. Yeah. And again, you need a consent uh, from the Committee of Adjustment to buy that two feet because you're severing off a little piece of the land. Yep. But that's a very smart solution to what can be a bad problem. And, and uh, it also uh, points out the need that if you're going to be putting in fences and pools, very often you're going to want the assistance of a surveyor just to set the lot line just so that you know exactly where it is so you, you don't run into that problem. Sure. Can we talk about easements? Sure. What, what, perfect. What, what can you tell us about an easement? <laughs> what are they, Bob? Tell, tell a listener what, what an easement is. Well, if you own the land and uh, you give me an easement, then I've got the right to go over that land mm-hmm. for certain purposes. And we'll often run into them with respect to townhomes where you've got four residences strung together. And uh, I want, if I live in one of the middle residences, I need to get to my backyard uh, to cut lawn or do whatever. So I'll have an easement where I can go around the outside uh, residences uh, to get into my backyard. And and also uh, I'll have an easement for services because the services uh, servicing the the middle units, uh, they need to get to there over the outside units. So the easement is just to, to give me that access and right to use, even though you continue to own the property. Okay. Um, now surveys. Is another big question that we often get, a Kath, oh, from, yes. from our buyers. Do I need a survey? Do I need a survey? Yeah. Do the sellers have a survey? And most sellers today don't have surveys. Right. Why is that? Well, we used to use them all the time because in order, before we had title insurance, a lawyer needed to uh, certify title to the purchaser. And so uh, we would either have to get a survey or rely on an old survey updated by way of declaration. And... Uh, we've had title insurance with us now for 15 years, and so it's so prevalent that we, we just use title insurance every time around now rather than go the direction of surveys. But surveys are still useful in a number of, of situations, especially uh, to set lot lines. And if you're, you're going to make a, a major investment like put a pool in, 
it really it really makes sense to have a surveyor help you locate those those bars at the mm -hmm. corner of your property then you can set your lot line and then you know what side to put your fence on you know your setbacks for your pools uh, you just you just don't want to make a mistake with an investment that large. You, you talked about uh, title insurance quickly at the beginning of the show. Can you give us some examples of the kinds of things that title insurance would cover? Title insurance is just a, a, a terrific tool, and we use it in, in 98, 99% of all residential transactions just because it provides such good value and good protection. Uh, it'll It'll protect from things like if there's been fraud on the title in the past. Now, in the old days when I would certify on the title, uh, an, ex an exception would always be for fraud because I couldn't prevent pr fraud on the title prior to my uh, seeing it or getting to it. Mm -hmm. And title insurance will cover that sort of thing. Title insurance will cover liens. Uh, they'll cover uh, 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 work orders. Uh, they'll cover some utilities not paid. Uh, title insurance is, is a really wonderful tool hmm. and very often the title insurance policy will cost 200 or 250 or 300 dollars and uh, it just it's, uh, provides a lot of protection for that, for that sort money. of money. Oh, yeah. I, I understand why everyone's leaning towards title insurance now. It's much much cheaper like you, like you said. Well, and a survey very often now will cost us fifteen hundred bucks or seventeen hundred bucks for a full full out survey, and so we'll use those if there's a particular problem or something we really need to look out for. But other than that, we'll avoid that expense and we'll go to use the title insurance product, and it's really worked out very well for for consumers. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about defects and uh, buyers finding problems um, on a final walkthrough. Uh, that kind of thing. If you have any questions for Bob, you can call the studio as well, 519-792-2559. That's 519-792-CKLW. Back with more right after this on the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800. Here's your host and broker owner of the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team, Dan Jemis. Welcome back to the show, our, uh, our segment here, our whole hour with, uh, with real estate lawyer Robert Milson, and in studio is uh, Kathy Talbot. I'm glad to have you here with me, Kathy. Are you really, Dan? I really am. I, I barely said five words I, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any questions for Bob, Kathy? Uh, not right at this moment, oh. no. I had a few a few minutes ago, but they, they, no, they've escaped I'm good. Your mind. It's I'm okay. good. I'm off the hook. I, I don't want your, your questions. Yeah. <laughs> you ask hard questions. <laughs> you ask hard questions. Oh, boy. Okay, so uh, I guess... Everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people like to do a final walkthrough prior to closing, okay? And it's usually done a couple days before closing. They'll walk through the property, make sure there's no, you know, funky things, no holes in the walls. There's, right. They're getting what they were promised, right. I guess. Um, if there is a situation where somebody does a walkthrough and something is not right, yeah. what are your steps? Uh, let's we, say we, something. Issues. Yeah, let's say uh, it is something obvious that the vendors on the way out have put a hole in the wall, moving a couch or whatever. What we've got to do is it, it, it's vital that we've got time a day or two prior to closing to get that information, find out roughly what it's going to cost to fix it. Then we'll deal with the purchasers, with the vendor's lawyer and say, look, $1,000 worth of damage was done. That's got to come off the purchase price. And we just deduct it from the purchase price, providing there, there can be an agreement as to the amount that's worked out between vendor's lawyer and purchaser's lawyer. So that walkthrough is just really important. Um, now... 
During uh, our assessment of properties, our, our evaluation, uh, when we go to someone's home, uh, there are times when they will tell us that uh, they've had water in the basement or they've had a fire in the house uh, or, or something like that. At what point is a seller responsible to disclose those things? Well, a seller is not required to disclose any of that. And the basic rule for if I'm purchasing a property, the basic rule is it's buyer beware. And for that reason, you always recommend a home inspection mm -hmm. and we get someone in there who's knowledgeable to look at it. And if I don't have the expertise to know if I've got a, a problem with my foundation or a problem with my roof, then hopefully that home inspector can provide um, uh, the alert to me that I need to be worried about it. Uh, so it's it it's it's di it's difficult and and uh, I, I get well so then, then we start getting to the question about latent defect uh, right yeah that's that's what I was getting to uh, so aha so there's a method to my madness but then tell us about latent defects and and when it becomes necessary what happens subsequent to closing is again it's been buyer beware where I have to really find that problem before I actually sign the offer yeah. with, with your office and uh, or if I sign the offer subject to inspection the inspection turns up the problem then I, I can see it but let's say that we've actually closed and uh, I walk into the house and there's a big problem basic problem is buyer beware and uh, if I haven't seen it before I'm going to be stuck with it but there are two exceptions to that one is if the, the vendor has straight out lied uh, to me and to the, the agents and I can prove that there's there's been fraud and if so the vendor says there's never been any water in this basement in the last 40 years and in fact that vendor has replaced drywall and has done all sorts of fixing and painting so that I can't see it I'm going to be able to prove that in a court of law and uh, for my damages to fix the problem I thought I was getting a dry basement I'll be able to recover against the vendor so fraud is the first one uh, the second exception is if the vendor has really taken exceptional uh, steps to hide the problem for me. So again, if it's water in the basement and the, the vendor has, has painted, uh, they have so much stuff in the corner of the basement where the leak is that I can't possibly see it. And they've, they, they've gone out of their way to hide things on purpose so I can't discover them. Again, that'll be an exception of the buyer beware. Uh, rule, but other than that, it's it's buyer beware, and I I really have bought what I signed for, and so I've I've really got to take a good look at that property before I sign the agreement of purchase and sale. Interesting, interesting, isn't it? Kath is uh, yeah, it's like, I mean it's it's one of those things where what what do you do right? Um, and we used to have forms, our our SPIS forms, our seller property identification forms, um, the, through the uh, through ARIA. And uh, it's funny because if you're working on behalf of your buyer, right, you want that form signed by the sellers disclosing any anything on, on the property. As a seller, you know, or as a seller's lawyer, you're, you don't want that, that property to be signed, right. uh, that, that uh, form to be signed, right? Right? Because you obviously want to protect uh, either party. Right? Yeah, it, it becomes very, very conflicting, and, and thus nobody uses it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Because from, from a, a vendor's, a lawyer's point of view, we always said to the vendors, look, you don't sign anything. 
The purchasers can have as many inspections as they want, send home inspectors, they can go through it, but you are not going to provide any warranties to that purchaser because they'll come back to bite you. Right. Mm-hmm. That's always a tough part as well is, uh, you know, in offers when uh, we ha- start putting, uh, you know, fridges and stoves and dishwashers and microwave and window coverings, light fixtures, and then someone walks into the property and whoops, the fridge isn't working anymore. Right. right? And we have to remind people, these are used appliances. Right. Uh, they don't have warranties. No, you're taking your um, chances. You know, they take, they're taking a chance. Bob, do you have any um, advice for anyone building homes? Because um, you often deal with, with clients that are building as well, just as, as we are. Right. Um, you know, and there's the Terion warranty yes. um, that, that you're familiar with. What is your advice for anyone that's, that's looking to build a property um, and that has questions about warranty and, and Terion warranty? The Terion warranty, there's uh, there's a lot of information on the Terion website as to the coverage, uh, st- uh, coverage for structure, mm-hmm. uh, coverage a longer uh, period for, for fundamental items. Um, so uh, it provides pretty good coverage. But if I could just back up a little bit, uh, someone who's buying a new house, if I could encourage that purchaser to really spend some time with the builder uh, going through what's going to be included within that house and what may be an extra. Sure. And uh, an easy way uh, to do it is if there's a model, for instance, around, and you want the level of trim in that model, you can just say, I want the, the flooring and the lighting and the, the, the plumbing uh, to a, a level in that particular model. And that'll give you a good benchmark. And then the more detail you put in there afterwards, you know, what's included are the uh, fo- uh, hose faucets outside included, uh, sodding included. You've got to provide some real detail there and have a whole list of what is included within this package that I'm paying, you know, $250,000 or whatever the, the figure is to buy the house. What does it include? Oh, yeah, that's, um, you know, and yes, Kath, oh, oh. raising your hand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a question about Terion, actually, Bob, and I don't, I don't know if you can answer this or not, but how much power do they have? Like, let's just say your builder is not fixing what he's supposed to fix and you've given him all the entire year or two years or whatever it is and he still doesn't do it. What recourse do those buyers have? Well, we get Terry on involved earlier than a year or two years. I know. Usually. And they're, they're very good uh, to deal with. That uh, they, uh, they are responsive. Um, uh, especially if the problem is is, ser- is serious, they'll they'll dive in and fix it, and then they'll chase the builder down the way for compensation. Oh, that's how it works. Okay, we have uh, we have Joe on the phone as well. Hey, Joe, how are you? Yeah, I'm a little perturbed. I just turned on, and you're talking about warranties. Uh, just one real quick question. I just had a roof put on, and it says it's a lifetime warranty that can be passed on to the next buyer. Same thing with some windows. Now, this is a ploy. I'm in big trouble when I go to sell my house. Uh, well, yeah, it depends on, on the warranty. I know for from from um, very uh, personal experiences myself that roof warranties uh, vary on a whole bunch of different things, uh, and oftentimes uh, depends on on who installed it and was it installed properly and. Uh, a million other things. Hey, Bob, have you have had an experience with uh, with roof or, or window warranties? Yeah, is there yep. such a thing as lifetime warranty? Well, the key is, please, you're not going to pass that along to anybody yeah. other, th- other than to say, look, 
whatever is there, and, and you'll get, and please don't promise them anything. Yeah. Uh, because the, the warranties always have qualifications and they always have limitations. And uh, when you really go through those, those warranty policies, it's, it's difficult to figure out just what they cover and what they don't cover. So from your point of view, I would just ask you to be very careful not to make promises to the new purchaser that end up disappointing that purchaser. That's a legal answer right there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's definitely uh, the proper way of doing it. Look at that. The hour has gone by already. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Oh, that was fun. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, yes, we fun. have more. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to wrap up, wrap up the show right after this, okay? Right here on the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show. Do you ever wonder if you've made the right decisions buying a home? Are you in the right mortgage product? Should you spend that extra money on home renovations? I just needed some advice, and I figured I would just come straight to the source. Well, you happen to be in the right place for all the best advice. Thank you so much. You give people such awesome advice. You're listening to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, a paid program on AM800. Here's Dan Jemis, your host and broker owner of the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team. Well, thank you for tuning in today, everybody. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Bob. You're welcome. You're welcome. Always great to have you both in the studio. We'll do it again. If you are thinking of buying or selling a home, the Dan Jemis team would love to help. Visit us online, danjemis.com, or call our office seven days a week, 519-566-5565. And if you're looking for a real estate lawyer, Robert Milson is the person you want. Thank you again for coming, Bob. Oh, you're welcome, Dan. It's a pleasure. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. You've been listening to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800. If you thought about selling or buying a home in the future, the Dan Jemis Real Estate team would love to help. Visit the team's website at danjemis.com or call the office seven days a week, 519-566-5565.